Look, we have a lot of fun here at Remember the Game Industries. You've all heard my obnoxious, high-pitched laugh on the show. I love it. Video games are fun. The Simpsons are funny. It's good times. You know what isn't fun? Shopping for razors. And I don't mean that to sound sarcastic. It genuinely sucks. That's why you shouldn't shop for razors. You should just get them delivered by Harry's. Pick up a $3 trial set at harrys.com RTG and see what I'm talking about. I'm not going to stop beating the Harry's drum because it's a drum worth beating. The best razors on the market at better prices than the crap at the store and they're delivered to you. It's like a shaving cheat code. You've heard me say it. I have been a Harry's customer since I was driving a forklift at a company I'm not allowed to name but you all know who it is and sure my beard gets some praise now but i was a stubble guy for a long time and i still use harry's blades to keep the edges of my beard crisp so it looks like i have a jawline and if you've ever tried to shave along the edges of a beard you know that you can go through blades fast because there's a lot of weeds to whack in there but harry's blades just keep coming back for more i'm not just saying it there's so much better than the junky stuff you get at the store that means a faster cleaner shaving and two you buy less blades because they last longer the best razors for less money brought right to your door i don't know how else to say this harry's is on top for a reason the best reviews in the business customizable delivery schedules so you get them when you need them i can't see a reason not to use Harry's. Getting ripped off isn't funny. Switch to Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash RTG. That's harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set. Hey everybody, a quick note before I get into this week's episode. First of all, the music from this week's show is not from Def Jam Vendetta. There was just too many copyright issues and stuff involved with it, so just enjoy some classic retro music in between the intros and outros. And second of all, the audio quality on the intro and outro might sound slightly off. I had a little bit of an equipment malfunction that is now fixed, but unfortunately it is what it is. You can still hear what I'm saying, and if you listen to the show with any regularity, you're used to a subpar show as it is. It'll be back to normal next week, and the interview and all that good stuff is fine, I promise. My apologies. Enjoy the podcast, everybody. Thanks for listening. Here we go. mine and I sit down and we geek out about the games we played back in the day. My name is Adam Blank. Thank you so much for listening. This week is episode 106 and we are talking Def Jam Vendetta for like the GameCube and the PlayStation 2 and all that stuff from back in that era. This was the best non-wrestling wrestling game ever made. Narrowly edging out the Simpsons wrestling. Uh, I'm just, I'm kidding. That game fucking sucks. But this game is fucking awesome. I love this game very, very much. We also touch a little on Def Jam Fight for New York. They kind of bled together. I didn't know if they'd each justify their own episode. But uh, if you've never played these games, it's basically wrestling, but underground, using rappers. If it sounds stupid, it's because it is. But it's also really, really, really fun. And my guest this week is a newcomer to the show, fellow comedian and rap nerd, Alex Fortin. And we're going to tell you why this game kicks so much ass in just a few minutes. Before that, uh, I have some of your comments to get to. i got lots of fun stuff to talk about, so don't skip that 
or do whatever. Just fucking thanks for downloading. That's the key thing. Um, also, I have no idea what music would have played about a minute and a half ago, and I have no idea what music I'm going to be playing moving forward, because this is just copyright out the ass, so you might end up listening to some retro music instead. Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I can get sued or not. I'm not making any money off of this episode of the podcast at all, so I'm not really profiting from their music. I'm just promoting it, if anything, but I know like the Tony Hawk Pro Skater episode and Grand Theft Auto by City... There's been a couple where we ran into some copyright flags on YouTube and stuff, so I don't know. You might just have heard retro. We'll see. I tried to figure out the music before I started recording this, ran into some snags with that, and I was like, well, I'll get it recorded, and then I'll figure out what the fuck I'm going to play. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into the music and the game and stuff like that in a few minutes. First, I'm going to ramble and talk about the news and gaming, because there's some sweet news to talk about, get to your feedback, all that good stuff. This Sunday on Expansion Pass, this past Sunday on Expansion Pass, I spent an hour reviewing Slay the Spire. Uh, and seriously, a lot of you have reached out and said you started playing it, you're digging it, and that makes me so happy. And if you haven't played it, I'm begging you to give it a chance. Begging you to give it a chance. It's so much fun. It's on everything, all the systems. It's on computers. It's on mobile and phones and stuff like that. I don't think it's on Android yet, but it's coming. Uh, you can find samples from that episode on our social media, or you can just listen to the whole thing by supporting us on Patreon for just two bucks a month, just like Chuck Schlarp did. Thank you so much for signing up, Chuck. I sit, Chuck. Uh, I say it every week, but you get access to the Expansion Pass, which goes live every Sunday. You get all the old episodes of Expansion Pass. There's almost 40 of them. You get a shout-out on here. You get to help pick the games we cover. You can submit questions and comments. Patreon.com slash game. It's only two bucks Plus, I'll DM with you and chat with you, and we'll be friends. There's your plug. Please consider it. I'd really appreciate it. This Sunday will be our monthly Q&A episode. Uh, those are always a lot of fun. I answer every... <clears throat> excuse me. Choking on my own saliva while I talk. I answer every question I get about gaming, comedy, sports, wrestling, politics, whatever you want. So if you are a Patreon, please submit your questions in time for this weekend's recording. And speaking of extra podcasts... Last week, I had a great chat and podcast session with Nicholas Piccolis, who, if you don't know, is the host of, or was the host of Video and Arcade Top 10 here in Canada for almost 15 years. If you never grew up watching Video and Arcade Top 10, it was a video game show. I've talked about it on here before. That's where I got the idea for the It's Letter Time segment. I stole it from Nicholas and the show. And uh, I, we just talked about the producing of the show and what it was like behind the scenes. And it was really interesting to me. I really want to release the episode, but I don't know how many people outside of Canada watched or care about that show. So I think I'm going to drop that episode later this week as kind of a bonus podcast on Friday or Saturday. Uh, the same thing we're thinking about doing with the Dino Park Tycoon episode. I'm a proud Canadian, and I love when I see reviews and people mentioning that this game, this show puts a lot of stuff in Canadian context. But I also know that we had stuff here in Canada that the rest of the world didn't have, and we have a lot of listeners from the U.S. and all over Europe and over on the other side of the planet and Australia and all those other places. And so I'm trying to pander to everybody. So we'll probably drop that as a bonus episode. Really excited about it. Nicholas was awesome. It was a huge deal for me to talk to him. After I spent so many years watching him on TV, I found out the origin of the It's Letter Time song, which is going to be in there. That's a big thing. Also, the origin of the Nicholas Pickles name. So I hope you enjoy that. We'll, just keep your eye out for it on the feed. It'll show up later this week, probably. As far as news that isn't all about me, uh, Nintendo finally, finally gave us a Nintendo Direct. Kind of. Uh, we got a Direct Mini on Monday. They revealed a few third-party games that are coming out. Uh, people were mad. It's typical Nintendo, typical internet. You guys know how it works by now. I will <laughs> I will say, I went to bed a little early Sunday night. I probably went to bed around 10 o'clock. I was tired. And I slept in until about 8 o'clock Monday morning. 
and I missed the whole thing. I, they announced it after I went to bed. It aired before I got up. I literally missed the entire thing. And that's not on me for being lazy. That's on Nintendo for doing it so insanely last second. I don't get the point of this. I guess it was, you know, probably like prime time in Japan. Maybe they announced it during like the more, the, the the beginning of the workday in Japan and then they revealed it at the end of the workday. I don't I don't exactly know the time syncs up, but it just seems so half-assed, so last second. It's just classic Nintendo, just like with the games they released on this Nintendo Online, which I went into last week. I defended that service, but I swear to god, it's like they just decide like on a whim. They're like, "Oh yeah, let's fucking release some games." Like, "Oh yeah, let's throw a mini direct up there just for something to do. Why not? Fuck yeah." So, uh so I have some thoughts on it. You guys had some thoughts on it too. Some of you liked the the feedback was very mixed on this. Some of you liked it. Stupid Monkey wrote in and said, "Well, none of the content in this morning's Nintendo Direct Mini appealed to me. I love the concept of them. Little ten minute directs that cover a group of three to five games is kind of cool." And Keegan Wilson said. The Direct Mini was good. I like uh, bundling a few trailers and announcements together in one video like that instead of just randomly coming out. As for the games, the Nocturne Remaster and SMT5 have me super pumped. I honestly don't even know exactly how to, I don't know these games at all. Uh, but I do agree with both of your uh, sentiments, actually. I, admittedly, I'm not that interested in these games, like I said. But, uh, but uh, And I also hope that these don't replace full-blown Nintendo Directs. But if Nintendo wanted to drop one of these every month and just showcase three to five games from third-party developers that they wanted the spotlight for the month, I would be all for that. Because we all know the Nintendo eShop is so fucking bloated with just shovelware and garbage uh, that the good games get lost in the shuffle too easily. I guarantee you there are games that people put a lot of time and money into that are really good that got thrown into that eShop fucking ocean and just never got seen by anybody so if these mini directs help get a couple of those games stand out every month you're not going to get any complaints from me i don't understand how anyone could complain about that as long as they don't replace full-blown nintendo directs that's fine and that's where you run into a problem and i got some feedback from some of you guys that wasn't as positive ben busha said i see nintendo is back on their not wanting to make money bullshit and Charles wrote, Charlie M, sorry, wrote in, as Charlie said, uh, for me, the Nintendo Direct Mini was fine. There wasn't anything there for me, but I'm happy for those that did, like the SMT fans. I'm just ready for a real Direct or a major drop. I have a limited gaming budget, and it would be nice to know what are the big Nintendo games for the rest of the year. We're almost into August now, and there's almost nothing lined up. And with the new PlayStation and Xbox coming out and no big Nintendo offerings, it's just pushing me to look more at the PS5 and their exclusives. That's the flip side of the coin about this Direct Mini and what Nintendo's been doing lately. I get it, and I agree and disagree with it at the same time. Charlie mentioned that he's ready for a real Direct. He has a budget, Nintendo isn't giving him any reason to save his money, and this is the part that I 1 trillion percent agree with. A lot of gamers are on limited budgets. I am, I know I am for a fact right now, particularly with what's going on in the world right now and with people losing their jobs and all that kind of stuff. Spending tons of money on video games is clearly not a top priority and a lot of people only have a limited amount of money to spend on a hobby as expensive as video gaming. And we have these two exciting new crazy big consoles coming out in the fall and if you're in a spot where you could buy a couple of new games for your Nintendo Switch 
or spend that couple hundred dollars pre-ordering one of these new systems, Nintendo's not giving us any reason to save our money and wait to spend it on them. None. And I get that 100%. I want to direct too. If you only own a Nintendo Switch right now, you're really starting to feel like Nintendo is leaving you out in the cold. And we all know, anyone that's been gaming for any length of time that's been involved with Nintendo, this has been Nintendo's MO forever. You get like a great run of games and then it's just radio silent for months. And that's worked for them so far this generation. But it's not going to work for... It's just not going to work long term. It just can't work. Microsoft and Sony don't have a lot of big games coming out in the next few months either. But they've made it abundantly clear they have new consoles that will be out in time for the holidays. That's their priority and that makes sense. That's their holiday plan. And if you're a Microsoft or a Sony gamer, you're like, well, that's fine. I'll just save my money and buy this new system when it comes out. Nintendo has the Switch. That's their holiday plan. They don't have a brand new console. Unless by some fluke they drop the Switch Pro in the next few months, which I think would be a terrible mistake and I don't think it's going to happen. I used to think it was going to happen. I don't now. All Nintendo has going into the holidays to compete with the Series X and the PlayStation 5 is the Nintendo Switch. And it's great that the Switch is selling out everywhere. You can still hardly find a Switch anywhere. But if you don't start giving people an idea of what they can buy to play on it this fall, the Switch Shine is going to fade really fast when the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X comes out. Really fucking fast. That said, and I, th- I think, and I, I'm just a moron with a microphone. Uh, I'm going to start calling myself that, the moron with the microphone. Nintendo, I think Nintendo has a couple of big games planned for the holidays. But I want to stress those were a couple. I got to stress that enough. A couple. I don't think they have a big title every month for the rest of the year. I think they've only got a couple of bullets left in the chamber. And I think they plan to save those bullets for when they need them the most. Because here's the thing. And I agree with you, Charlie. I want to direct to. I'm waiting to find out. Give me a reason to spend my money. But until pre-orders go live for the PlayStation 5 and the Series X, which we're going to get into in a minute, there's no real way to spend your money on them. So Nintendo, I think, is probably thinking the Switch is selling like crazy. There's nowhere else to spend your money right now. Let's just wait and announce what we can announce when we absolutely have to. The problem with that is that once these pre-sales go live, if you haven't given gamers a reason to hold on to their money or pre-order your games instead, they are going to spend their money on the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. It's all going to be gone. And I guess they could drop a surprise Nintendo Direct anytime they want, like the day pre-orders go live. I'm sure they could whip one up and drop it. And maybe that is their plan. Um, But you've got to give us a reason not to spend the pennies that we've been saving on one of these systems if you want us to buy if you want us to buy your games in the holidays instead of a fucking Xbox or a PlayStation. Because I agree with Charlie, man. It has been a long time since we've seen games, and I really think they should be getting what they have out there now. Get people to pre-order your big holiday titles before they drop their money on a new console. Let's just say Breath of the Wild 2 is coming out, and I have $80 to spend. I could pre-order a PlayStation 5 with my 80 bucks, or I could pre-order Breath of the Wild 2. If you're going to get my attention, you better fucking do it now. And they're not doing that. And that leads me to my other concern with Nintendo. And that is that they only have got a couple of big bullets left in the chamber. And I don't know that for sure, but that's my guess. They might know they've only got one or two big titles to show us. And they don't know what to do with them. If you show them now, say they drop a direct... Say that yesterday... On July 20th, it had been the big direct, and they dropped their big holiday titles. They go now, they show up now, and then they just go radio silent between August and December. People will be pissed. 
right? People will be like, well, where the fuck have you been over? Like, when September rolls around, October rolls around, November, people are like, what the fuck, Nintendo? Give us something. We gave you it all in, in the summer. If they only have a little bit to share, they're in a really tough spot where they don't know when they can share it to minimize the damage that's going to be done to the Switch and to the brand. We all know they're working on Breath of the Wild too. They've said it. They've told us about it. There's a mountain of rumors about these Mario remakes and re-releases that are coming in the fall for Mario's anniversary. And I don't care what anyone says. I've said it on this show before. They're working on a new Mario Kart. I have no doubt in my mind. I've never read it anywhere. I just have zero doubt in my mind they're working on Mario Kart 9 or something with Mario Kart. And that would be a solid holiday lineup. That would be huge. Give us the Mario remakes in September. Give us the... The new Pokemon Snap game in October, and then give us Mario Kart and or Breath of the Wild 2 in like late November, early December, along with maybe a Game Boy Advance and Nintendo 64 online games, and I think Nintendo would be just fine this holiday season. They, that would be more than enough for them to get through the Xbox and PlayStation launches. They aren't saying anything, and that's either because that's all they have and they're waiting for the right moment, or they might be, I was just thinking about this, maybe they're not sure they can be ready for the holidays. COVID is fucking up everything. And if they announce a game like Breath of the Wild 2 or Mario Kart 9, and that's their huge holiday game, and then in October they come out and delay it because of COVID, people will lose their shit. So they're in a really tough spot, man. The Switch is selling well. because Part of the reason the Switch is selling well is because everybody that wants a PS4 or an Xbox One already has one. When the new systems drop, and that isn't the case, the Switch suddenly becomes the three-and-a-half-year-old underpowered system that everybody already owns with no big games on the horizon. And that's a dangerous place for Nintendo to go. That's where the Wii U fucking was. So I get the frustration from Nintendo fans 100%. I'm sure Nintendo gets it too. They either don't care right now because they're making money uh, or they're just saving what they do have to try to stay above water and stay afloat this Christmas. Um, and hey, listen, for the record, I hope I'm wrong. I hope we get a Nintendo Direct right away filled with incredible games. Everyone loses their mind and Nintendo fucking smashes it down the rest of 2020. But I just, I don't know, man. They're, fuck, they're a hard company to be a fanboy of and to defend sometimes. It's really frustrating. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what the fuck they're doing. I'm, I'm telling you, they just, they, they have limited resources and they're trying to figure out how to use them. I have zero doubt that's the problem. And speaking of the holidays and games coming out this holidays, Microsoft has a big presentation scheduled for tomorrow, Thursday the 23rd. Uh, they're saying we're going to see a bunch of first-party games for the Series X, including Halo Infinite, the new Halo game. It's their chance to fire back at Sony after uh, the PlayStation 5 blew the gaming world away with their presentation a few weeks ago. And it really is a make-or-break showing for Microsoft and the Series X. They're already the underdog going into next-gen, and if they blow it and they underwhelm us on Thursday, I don't know how they recover from that. They really need to knock it out of the park. Um, on Thursday's presentation. We know Halo will be there. I think it's going to impress. They need it to. Uh, I think we're going to see... Everyone Everyone thinks we're going to see Fable, and I agree. I think we're going to see Perfect Dark. Ben Boucher wrote in and said, as for Microsoft, I could see them advertise, heavily advertising their Flight Simulator 2020. That's supposed to be the most revolutionary game of the decade. Um, I agree with that. We're going to see that as well. And that's exactly what they have to do. Especially because they've already said that all the games coming to the Xbox Series X will also be available on the Xbox One for a little while. Your only option is to show us what this supercomputer of a console can do and fucking really impress us and make us want to give you our money. They've really got to knock it out of the park. And I also think they are going to hammer, hammer, hammer home 
Game Pass and xCloud. xCloud, they've already said, will be included with Game Pass beginning in this fall. And they recently got rid of one-year memberships to Xbox Gold, which is their online service. So a lot of people, myself included, think it's going to be a monthly subscription now that gets you Game Pass along with xCloud, which lets you stream on tablets and all these other different devices, and uh, Xbox Gold online service all in one subscription, which could be a great deal if they price it right and market it right. So and like that's the biggest advantage they have over Sony is stuff like Game Pass. And so uh, they really got to hammer it home tomorrow that like this is what the system can do. These are the sweet games. And this is the services that you get with it. They have no choice but to do that. And I also think we are going to get a price. We're going to get a release date. And pre-orders will be going live in the next five to seven days. Maybe even on Thursday. I, I think all that's coming. Because eventually one of Sony or Microsoft has to blink and give us a price on these systems. Sony's in the driver's seat right now. They've got the market share. They've had the best presentation so far. They have the fan base. They can wait because people want their console. Microsoft has to win people over. Uh, and they've got to, like, they, they have to blink first because they've got to try to get some pre-orders in before the PlayStation 5 pre-orders go live. I can't wait for the showing. I, I can't wait to see what they present. I want to see if they fight back or if they just completely fuck themselves over because this is going to be the make or break. This could be the most important showing in Xbox history. They have got to not fuck this up. They've got to not fuck this up. That's the moron with the microphone thing. I also think Microsoft reveals a Series S on Thursday, some kind of smaller system, a smaller, cheaper, less powerful console. I believe they might have been planning to show it in August because they're doing a presentation every month, but Sony revealing a discless PlayStation 5 to me is going to force Microsoft to reveal their cheaper discless system as well. So, uh, And I bet you were pre-ordering both of these things by mid-August, maybe even by August 1st, which again goes back to Nintendo. Your chance to keep people's money out of Microsoft and Sony's pockets and in yours is quickly fading. You better show us something soon because it's going to be too late if you wait till these new systems are announced. So I'm super excited. I can't wait to see what they show. They seem confident. I hope they kill it. I might be able to afford one of these new systems this fall. I certainly won't be able to afford both. Um, and as of now, I haven't decided which way I would go. So fucking woo me, Microsoft. Woo me. Come on. And then fuck me. We're almost at 20 minutes. Finally, it's letter time. It's letter time. And this week's letter comes from Doug Dorn, the Patreon supporter. And he says, hey, Adam, I feel like we kind of have to talk about the fact that an unopened copy of Super Mario Brothers sold at auction for $114,000. Apart from the sad fact that it's never been played like it was intended, could this push the value of retro consoles and games up even further? Uh, yeah, this is a big story. If you missed it, a sealed copy, never opened boxed copy of the original Super Mario Brothers recently sold at an auction for $114,000. Now, it's sealed in the original box. And I was reading, and it's one of the boxes with the plastic tab on the back that would pop up so you could hang it on a shelf like old games used to display, which apparently was pretty rare. Uh, especially for Super Mario Brothers, especially because the tab has never been opened. And you have to remember that most Mario Brothers came with the NES instead of being hung and displayed in stores like that. So um, the hook never being used added to its value, and the game has been graded. That's a big thing now. So, I mean, sports cards, comic books, action figures, video games, all of those things now, you can send them to companies that will seal them in these clear plastic cases and score their condition out of 10. And obviously, the higher the score, the more close to mint condition it's in. This thing got a 9.4. So it's rare, it's sealed, it's in almost mint condition at a 9.4 out of 10. And apparently, it's worth $114,000. 
And going back to Doug's question, I don't think it's going to affect the value of all retro games. Uh, unopened, sealed, graded video games are a whole different market and collector than those of us that just want to buy and play old video games. Um, on a quick side note, I don't trust most of these graders either. Um, I occasionally listen to the CU podcast, which is Pat Contry's podcast. He's the NES punk on YouTube. Um, and he's quite skeptical of WADA, the company that graded this $114,000 game. The impression that I've gotten from what I've read is that they're playing somewhat of a role in the prices these games sell for. They're buying and selling and bidding and stuff like that. And the more these games sell for, the more people will want to get their games graded to try to make money, the more money WADA will make for grading their games. It just seems like a very shady industry to me. I don't know for sure. Um... And I think people that have been spending years and years collecting sports cards and comic books that are graded as investments are starting to get into graded video games because they just think it's another investment. But they don't really know what they're buying. This is a different market than the standard collectors are used to. And unless you're, you're getting into sealing and grading games, it's not going to be your problem anyways. Uh, I also don't understand buying a game that you can't play, but that's me. And I think that some of these people that are new to the hobby that are just buying up these 50, 60, 70, 100, $100,000 sealed video games are buying them because they think it's what people want. But I mean, the vast majority of game collectors, first of all, aren't going to spend $100,000 on a video game. And second of all, they're certainly not going to spend $100,000 on a video game that they can't play. Right? I just, I don't, I, I don't get it. But that's me. That's just me. So just, if anyone listening to this is thinking about investing $100,000 on a video game, be very careful. Do your homework first. Look at who graded it. Just be sure. And you know what? And you better be giving us two bucks on Patreon because you've clearly got fucking money if you can spend that much on a game you can't play. So, Okay, that's long enough. What about... Fuck me, that's a long intro. What have I been playing? Mostly Paper Mario and the Origami King. I'm really liking it. I'm going to do a review slash spoiler cast in the next couple of weeks when I'm done. But I would recommend it. It's not Thousand Year Door. But uh, I'm, I don't have any regrets about my purchase so far. I'm probably about 10 hours in. I also fired a Pokemon Emerald as well as it won our Patreon poll this month. It's fantastic. I fucking love retro Pokemon. So you're going to be getting an episode about that in the coming weeks. And then, of course, I've been playing a little bit of Slay the Spire because it's Slay the Spire and it's the best game ever. And that's good enough. Let's get into this week's episode, which is episode 106, Def Jam Vendetta. For the PS2, the GameCube, and whatever else... The, uh, the Def Jam games are underground wrestling games that have wrestlers rest or have rappers wrestling. They were built on the No Mercy game engine, and damn it, they were fucking fantastic. My buddy and fellow comedian Alex Fortin is making his first appearance on the show, and I'm going to keep... Okay, well, like I was going to say I'm going to cue some music because I'm used to saying it. I don't know what I'm going to do for music this week. I don't want to get in trouble, but I'm going to cue something... And then we are going to talk about Def Jam Vendetta, which originally released in North America on April 1st, 2003. Kick back, relax, enjoy the episode. Here we go. If you're hearing this, you're probably a gamer. And for our kind, nothing is as precious and valuable as our save files. Have you ever experienced the loss of a save file? It's soul crushing. Dozens, maybe hundreds of hours of work gone like that. But at the end of the day, it's a video game. It matters, but... Kinda, you know? That exact scenario, but with a work project, an essay for school, data for your business, that's no joke. That can be really serious. You need a safety net. And I got you, fam, with my partners over at CrashPlan. Visit CrashPlan.com slash RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. CrashPlan has been protecting people's data since 2001. And a couple years ago, they set out on their own with one mission, to provide the 
best damn cloud backup solution on the market. CrashPlan runs quietly in the background of your computer or Mac, and every 15 minutes on the clock, they create a new backup of every file that's changed in that time. So if something goes wrong, God forbid, you don't lose hours, lose days, lose weeks of work. Just log into your account and you can download your most recent backup from the secure cloud servers. And there's not just one backup. There's a laundry list of them. You can pick and choose which one you want. It's like the ultimate undo button. If you work on a computer in any capacity, CrashPlan is a must-have. And if you're thinking, ah, that's for big businesses, I'm just Joe Schmo. CrashPlan protects Joe Schmo. They offer a ton of plans and tiers. So there's a crash plan for everyone from small one-person businesses like me to you fancy businesses in offices with staff and free donuts and all that stuff. Time is money. Why wouldn't you protect your work? Spreadsheets, diagrams, videos, art, podcasts. CrashPlan has you covered. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash RTG for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. All right, so I got a. I, I didn't think this would ever happen again that I would have a newcomer to the show. It's pretty rare these days, but we have a newcomer to Remember the Game Industries, a very good friend of mine, one of my best friends in stand up comedy, and that is uh, the incomparable Alex Fortan from here in Edmonton. How's it going, buddy? Hey, good, man. Not too bad. Just playing old video games to get in the mood. Beautiful. That, that's what you should have been doing for the last three months anyways, because there's nothing else to fucking do. So, <laughs> I honestly, honestly, I've been. Yeah? <laughs> I've been playing. So, well, all I have, dude, all I have is an Xbox 360. So the newest game that I have is like Madden 25, which was created in like 2014, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's old. Dude, but the Xbox, I fucking, this isn't going to be an Xbox 360 podcast, but just quickly, I want to get on my soapbox. I adore the fucking Xbox 360. Like, oh, it's, it's amazing. Right? There are some people that shit all over it and say it's the worst Xbox and stuff. And I'm just like, as, a, as someone that's like enjoyed Xbox the whole way, the Xbox 360 is my favorite non-Nintendo video game system ever created. Like, I <laughs> love that system, man. That's awesome. So, yeah, dude. I I've been playing the crap out of it, and I have actually I have a game for it. It's the it's called Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection. Yeah, and it's the forty top selling Sega Genesis games. So yeah, I've been man. Playing like Sonic Spinball and all that stuff during quarantine has been pretty fun. That's fucking dude. Those I just I just did an episode of the show. I guess by the time this goes live, it'll have been like a month ago. But I just did an episode about. Uh, trying to play old games in today's like society and like those yeah. those anthology collections like i have i have a couple of sega collections on my different systems and like castlevania collections and Mega Man collections and stuff like those things are worth their weight in gold like i think people sleep on what a great bargain those kinds of compilation discs are oh no, fuck, it's, it's so good so and i got it when it came out so like it was still like when the xbox 360 and everyone was like oh sega genesis is old and so why would you buy that game and now everyone's like bro what you have sonic and i'm like yeah man yeah man i love it dude old... no one has a genesis in the basement anymore yeah dude old school video games are like you know there's like movie snobs that like they they shit all over the current star wars movies but the original three are phenomenal and indiana jones and rocky and like all those video yeah. games are kind of entering 
a little bit of it. I think video games are kind of in an era like that. I know everybody likes modern video games. I know I do, but like more and more people you see now are, are remembering the games they played 20, 25, 30 years ago. And they're like, dude, those are the, like those have aged phenomenally. Some of those games. Yeah. Fucking yeah. Some of them have aged real well. Yeah. Some of them haven't, uh, <laughs> some of them fucking <laughs> have not, but some of them have. Um, and that's Battletoads. A- Battletoads. Oh, I love Battletoads, man. I, I-, I can't fuck. beat it. I can't fuck beat it to save my life. Fuck Battletoads and The Lion King forever. Oh, The Lion King. Oh, fuck The Lion King. It's impossible. I Okay, sorry, guys. What, how long are we into this now? Three minutes and we haven't even mentioned the game? Okay, that's fine. I don't care. It's my podcast. I can do whatever I want. Lion King yeah. is the most... Like, eventually, we're going to do an episode of the show about The Lion King. And when it happens, if you guys thought the Echo the Dolphin episode was bad, I'm going to rip The Lion King a new ass. Because Bro, how the fuck Echo do you... The- what? I have Echo the Dolphin on the Genesis collection. I was playing it. It was horrible. It's so bad. It's so it's the most infamous episode of the show we've ever done. Because I literally screamed for half an hour about how much I hate that fucking game. <laughs> but the Lion King is like clearly designed to market to children. It's about a child like a like a, like a, a children's movie, a beloved franchise. It should have been super easy to make a game about that and make it accessible to everybody. And instead, they were like, "Let's make literally the hardest video game." ever ever created and then sell it to kids and then when the kids get mad that they can't beat it they'll throw their controllers and get angry and then they'll get grounded off their consoles and it'll be all of our fault fucking ridiculous but that's another episode that's oh that's gonna be a fucking maybe that'll be like episode 200 it'll be lion king and we'll just fucking rip it apart oh man I want to play that game again. I have to find it somewhere to try it one more time. Well, they just, I mean, I guess I don't think it's on 360. It might be. I know they just re-released Aladdin and Lion King in like a dual pack. Dude, Aladdin was fun. Aladdin was really fun. Aladdin was rad. Yeah, Lion King's fucking, and Lion King should have been. Anyway, that's a a whole different, that's a whole different. That's another episode. Yeah, that's a whole different basket of apples. This episode. No, this episode. So there's, that's nice. You can tell that this is, I'm talking to another comedian and another podcast host because that was smooth, buddy. That was well done. Uh, (laughs) the, The video game we're talking about today is not awful. It is not hard. It is not based on a children's franchise. And that is fucking. No, definitely not. <laughs> and that is Def Jam Vendetta for the fucking PS2 and the GameCube, uh, dude. For the kids. When you suggested this game, I had completely forgotten about Def Jam. And then when you, I remember when you brought it up because you and I have been talking about doing this for months. Um, yeah. And when you brought well, it up, I, it's, go. Dude, getting getting on this show is so hard because it's such a cool show that everyone wanted to do it and all the good ones are gone. Like all the Tony Hawk pro skaters, all the Sonics, all the fallouts, like all the stuff that I wanted to do <laughs> was already done. I know. And it's... so I had to like rack my brain for what me and my brother spent hours playing. Oh. And it was like Soul Calibur 4 or Def Jam Vendetta. Yeah, I do. Def Jam, when you suggested it, like I got a little hard because I was like, dude, I haven't played this game in so long. And I was just looking it up. How in the fuck have we not got another Def Jam game? I have no idea who owns the license yeah. to this now because it was a compilation of EA, which EA's the dude, fucking EA big. Yeah. Oh, EA, fuck. On a, on a side note, I remember I was watching the I read videos on this, and then it was like the class was like, EA big. <laughs> and I was like, bro, underrated 
like video game franchise ea big had some of the funnest like silly video games ever created did they do any of the like nba street or any of those games yeah you bet nba yeah. street volume three the one with the dude with the big afro was yes on the cover. yes Best one EA big Doc, i would love to do an episode about the nba street games too i fucking it's i like those way. better than any regular nba game by a mile yeah, um, I could be wrong, but I think they also did those that like NHL. Uh, I don't know if it was Walk the Rink, but it was like one of those NHL three on three like big hitters. Oh, like NHL like hits or whatever it was off. called. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think EA Big was like one of the designers on those too. Okay, see that's nice because like EA has an has an incredibly bad reputation in the video game world, and quite frankly, it's deservedly so. And I think most hardcore gamers would agree with that because they're really? oh, buddy. Back in the day, okay, back in the day, they were great. Like the NHL '94, '95, this game, like original Madden, sure. But like in recent years, their their like their their games have become so focused on selling you microtransactions and the cards and the online money okay. and and so- they, they're garbage now garbage now but there was a time where they made great games and this is one of them and yeah dude like you're right it's nice to hear people bring up like the good times with ea because yeah that's funny okay so disclaimer here for you and your listeners i basically stopped playing video games when i started doing comedy it was like 2011 2012 ish yeah like i'd never played call of duty ghosts until the other day me and brad were playing and like I was playing like Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. I think Forza 4 was the last one that I played. Mm-hmm. So like that's where I left the video game world. Oh, well so, then you got out before they jumped the shark then. So Yeah, I did. I I'm not big Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, I think ish was the last online game I played. I've never owned a PS3 or a Xbox 1. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. I wouldn't hold it against you. This isn't a modern gaming podcast. It's an old gaming podcast. Yeah. And quite frankly, you could argue that the old games are better. And like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to lie to you, dude. When we, when we started, when I started doing research for this game, because I knew that Akai or Aki, I don't know how you say it. I think it's Akai, the, was behind the engine. And if you don't know, Akai was behind the engine that was in WCW NWO World Tour or WCW World Tour, WCW NWO Revenge, WrestleMania 2000, and WWF No Mercy on the Nintendo 64. And I don't know if you played those, Alex, but those are like the holy, the Mount Rushmore of old school wrestling video games. Um, oh, no. They're like, I was not big into wrestling. Oh, those four games are phenomenal. And basically this game took their, like the controls to this game are the same controls that were in those games. So Okay. Yeah, so Do those... You know if- SmackDown versus Raw was the same because that was the only WWE game that I got big into. Um, SmackDown originally was kind of a different engine. Then they kind of transitioned into the same engine as these ones. But like okay. that was where my, cause I'm not going to lie to you, dude. I know that you're a big rap fan. Like I wasn't outside yeah. of Eminem, like and the beastie boys. I knew nothing of rap when I started playing <laughs> this game for the record. I oh, love the beastie boys. It? Yeah. I love the beastie boys to this day. My biggest concert, like if I could go to one concert in the history of the world, it would probably be the Beastie Boys. Nice. If I could, yeah, probably would be. It would have been Michael Jackson in his prime, but I don't think I could do that anymore. But the Beastie yeah, Boys, I could do. Tough. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so the point I was going to make is like, obviously you enjoyed this game because you liked the music and it was like a fun game to play, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I fell in love with this game because I knew that it was the controls from the pro wrestling games I had loved so much on the Nintendo 64. So I bought it for GameCube to be like, well, it's more of those controls, and it is. But then I started to really enjoy some of the music, and I started to look up some of the rappers and stuff that are in it. 
Um, what a phenomenal, like this game doesn't seem like it should work. Like if I no. walked right, like if I walked into a board meeting and I was like, all right, guys, here's my idea for a video game. We are going to take the most popular control scheme in pro wrestling game history. We're going to put it into a game about an underground fight club, but the underground fight club is going to be made up of big name rappers. And we're going to take their music, we're going to put it in the game, and they're going to fight for girlfriends, and then the girlfriends are going to fight each other to, for the right <laughs> the to be fight, your girlfriend. <laughs> that was my favorite part of the whole game. Yo, and this is the best. Okay, Def Jam, or Def Jam, whatever, Streets of New York. Fight for New York. The kid who, yeah, Fight for New York. Yeah. The kid who lived across, I lived in like a uh, townhouses. Yeah. The kid who lived in the townhouses across from me, his sister was the voice and the model for one of the chicks in a fight for New York. Get out of here. Seriously? I swear to God, dude. I swear on everything. We like looked it up because we didn't believe him when he told us. That's insane. <laughs> wow. Really? Yeah. Holy fuck. Yeah, That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, bro. It was nuts. That's nuts. So yeah, dude, that was the funniest because yeah, you could fight with like my buddy's sister pretty much. Oh my God. <laughs> So like <laughs> you could like make her be your girlfriend. Yeah. Like when you lay out like when you lay that concept, like imagine a boardroom and they have the big whiteboard at the head of the table and they're just spitballing ideas. And they're like, the okay. Like, dude, 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 I know, I know. Hey, I know, I know. Why don't <laughs> we'll get the girls to fight and then doesn't matter who wins or who loses, at the end of it, you just get to pick which one you want to be your girlfriend. Yeah. Cause that's how couples meet, right? The girls fight, and then the guy picks one of them and makes them his girlfriend. Like, what? Like, what the fuck? Like, this game should have never worked. It should have never worked. And not only did it work, but it spawned sequels. People fucking adore this franchise. I'm not lying to you, Alex. I probably have half a dozen messages from listeners that have been like, when are you guys going to cover Def Jam Vendetta? When are we going to get a Def Jam game? And it's like, you know what? Yeah, you should get one. And you had mentioned it. And I was like, right fucking now. right. Today. Right fucking now, today. By the time this goes live, it's probably another month since you and I recorded this, but it doesn't matter. The point is, you guys finally got Def Jam Vendetta. This game, and I mean, I guess we could kind of tie in Fight for New York because they're they're fairly similar. Like, I don't know if we'll be doing two separate episodes on them, but uh, these games are fucking rad. These are the these are yeah. the these are the the fighting versions of the Tony Hawk series for me. Yo, can I? Uh... Sorry, can I pause you for a sec? Yes. I have to pee real bad. I should have done that before the podcast. Yes, but... you fucking should. I'm not editing that out. I'm going to leave that in. Okay, okay go ahead. Yeah, I'll fill some airtime. Yeah, you Sorry. got it. Fucking Alex Ford. He's a comic. This fucking guy knows better. You go get on stage. It's like, hey, you go to the bathroom before you get on stage. This guy, and you know what? When he gets back on the show, you guys, I'm going to explain this. He has a comedy album. It's called Talking Reckless. Alex Fortin. You guys can look it up on all the social, like on iTunes and all that good stuff. He literally stops to go pee while he's recording his comedy album. And if you know anything about stand-up comedy, recording your first stand-up comedy album is a huge deal. That's a huge accomplishment. It's a big, that's a turning point for you in your career career and alex stopped in the middle of his recording of his comedy album to go to the bathroom so to all of you listeners right now that have just spent the last 20 seconds in your car or on your bike or on the bus or wherever the fuck it is you're listening to this show are like are you serious that the guest just stopped in mid podcast to go to the bathroom he did that while he was recording his fucking comedy special too i just explained how you did this during your comedy album recording as well yeah. And I'm leaving. Yeah, uh, I do it during every. Just so you know, I do it during every episode of our podcast too. If you ever watch the YouTube videos of our podcast, I'll get like an idea spitballing, 
lob it over to Jim and then just get up silently and leave. I'm peeing. Every fucking, time. fucking Alex Fortin, man. You have the prostate of a 90 year old man at 28 or whatever the fuck you are. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know what it is. But. Anyway. So, okay. So there, now we've ranted about Alex and how much he pees. And I, I plugged your album, <laughs> Talking Reckless. Everybody should check it out. It's a very good, album. Very good oh, comedy yeah, album. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so Def Jam. Okay, what are we at now? We're at 14 minutes. Let's get more into Def Jam. So uh, the one... Dude, so you're saying it's the Tony Hawk because this... Are you saying the soundtrack-wise? I think a little bit of every... Like, the Tony Hawk games are so beloved because the controls are rad. It's And it's it's got phenomenal sound. Like, for my money, the Tony Hawk games might have the best soundtracks in the history of video games. Like, they were the yeah, perfect man. storm. But Def Jam basically did that. But instead of like punk and rock music, it's rap. And instead of skateboarding, it's wrestling slash fighting. Yeah, um, it's so fun. And then it's the same thing. They took like pop culture like out of nowhere. Because remember Tony Hawk just randomly was like, oh yeah, and Spider-Man's like a secret character. And like, yeah, it's yeah. all this weird stuff. And like it did the same thing. Like I loved that DMX was in it. And then when he did his like secret move it would just be like y'all gonna make me do and i just like we get so stoked to play to get the thing yeah dude like it's like i like i mean i know that def jam is like a like a thing like def jam recordings is like a, that's an album or that's a that's uh what's the word i'm looking for a studio def right jam record yeah def jam record, record. Label, yeah, yeah yeah so like i get that like that's basically like what they did to this as a put like tony hawk put the tony hawk name on the tony hawk pro skater games they took def jam records and put def jam on the cover of this game i i and they were very successful i do wonder if they would have been a little bit more successful if it had been dmx vendetta or something like if you know what i mean like if they had taken one particular person um yeah but i really do feel like it's yeah like i I never even thought of it until you and i got talking about it here but it is it's it's the it's the tony hawk equivalent but in a fighting game um yeah Yeah, and it's weird that it's like this i don't know unrealistic thing but it's like kind of weirdly based in like the real world for some strange reason right yeah so like you're like i guess people fight but not like this and it's never like rappers and it's like skateboarding you're like yeah i guess people skateboard but it's not like contests in the streets no but like that's like to me you have two options when you're gonna make a game like this and you're going to kind of base it on real life, but then put in, you know, obviously, like like you said, like Method Man isn't out there fighting people in a wrestling ring in an underground club so that he can win a girlfriend. <laughs> uh, you know, like, I mean, maybe he's paying people to do that, but he's not doing it. But like, but like to me, you have two options. If you're going to take a real life tie in and make it into a video game, you either need to lean heavy into the simulation-y era. Like, and I feel like that's what stuff like Madden has really gotten into and MLB, the show and the NHL games. Like you have to really lean into the simulation and try to make it as um, accurate to the real life counterpart as you can. Or you just have to go completely over the top and just make it silly. And that's what the yeah. Tony Hawk games did. Because like you said, nobody is doing 900s of fucking rooftops and then falling four stories and landing in, yeah, like, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and that kind of stuff. And nobody, like, th- these people would all be dead based on well, these yeah, fights. Yeah, you get into, like, Underground 2, I remember you could play, like, Steve-O and he was riding a bull instead of skateboarding. You like, kickflip the bull. Like, it was just funny. <laughs> yeah like you have to but but that makes it fun like people want that right like you want yeah, it to be exactly. a silly game and so when you're playing this yeah so like there is a story mode and and that is the one knock i don't even say a knock it's just the original def jam vendetta game it didn't have a ton of uh depth like it, it basically had like its story mode or else you could play like 
multiplayer yeah, with your friends. Street Fighter. Yeah, yeah. It was like a Street Fighter kind of. Right. And like this, that was like shortly after these games, I feel like games really started to get away from the Street Fighter. Because this basically takes the Street Fighter Mortal Kombat story of you basically just fight every character in the game and they just throw a yeah. little bit of cutscenes and stuff around the edges of it. But it's still basically yeah. like you can pick from one of four fighters, I think, to start the game and they're all like yeah. fictional characters. Um, oh, yeah, dude, this is funny. That was a funny. I remember. So I don't really remember the game very well, but I was just watching videos the other day to like sort of refresh. Yeah. And the first thing you see, one of the characters names is Proof. I saw that, too him walking in with this white guy with his arms slung up and he's like hey man like you got my back again or whatever the hell it is or like we've been through the shit i was like yo is this some weird like eminem eight mile like is that big proof from d12 yeah i thought that too so if you don't know yeah proof was a rapper in d12 which was like eminem's group and i yeah i saw proof too and i was like i don't because like this was before d12 i think this game was before anyone knew who fucking d12 was and i was like is that the proof but no it's just like a guy so like that's weird so i looked it up and so when you start a guy named drake there's a white guy named drake (laughs) fuck yeah i'm looking at these names right now these are the names of all the fighters airy briggs carla chuck chuckles (laughs) cruz dan g i love that name debo Dan dan g Debo, Deja, Drake, Headache, House, Iceberg, Manny, Massa, Moses, Nine, Omar, Opal, Peewee, Penny, Pockets, Proof, Razor, Roughneck, Sketch, Snowman, Spider, Steel, Tie, Tank, Zahir. Fucking just the most generic fucking like. <laughs> what the D-Mob. Fuck? D-Mob is the boss. I love that. D-Mob is the boss. That's right. And you had to hey, go boss, through him. D-Mob who has your girlfriend who is the girlfriend you want in the end anyways. Oh, fuck. After you've done choosing through the girls that fought for so you. So stupid. And that's so basically the story because yeah. Alex mentioned that it's like proof standing with this white guy with his arm in a sling. Basically what happens is you pick one of these four fighters and it doesn't matter which one you pick. The story is the exact same. It doesn't really matter. You just pick the one you think looks coolest or whatever. Uh, the guy with his arm in a sling is your, is your pal Manny and he's in this like underground street fighting club, but he broke his arm. So you have to come out of retirement and fight for him. Um, yeah, and it, you have a girlfriend who's now with D-Bob, boss of this fighting ring. Yeah, that's right. And you end up just basically and- fighting through the game to get your hands on D-Mob. Yeah, uh, but the funniest thing to me is this whole time, like the whole time, there's like, like you were saying, the girlfriend thing is like every three fights, there's a random girl fight, and then you pick which one you want to be your girlfriend. <laughs> and it happens over and over again. But the whole storyline is you're trying to get this girl who's dating Demob to be your girlfriend. So it's like, why are these other girls following you around as you try to win back your girlfriend? Yeah, I don't get it. Like, I mean, like, listen, okay, like I can, I can look. Like, I think the storyline to the whole game is, is kind of dumb. Your buddy broke his arm and yeah, I have to go into this underground street fighting club to fight for him. And then like, and the thing that makes it dumb isn't that. The, to me, the thing that makes it really dumb is first off that there's all these rappers that are in this underground fight club. And the second yeah, thing- these rich ass rappers. Yeah, these like multi-millionaire rappers that are also fighters. And then the second thing that makes it dumb is that the, especially in the first game, all the fights take place in wrestling rings. Like, like at least most, so there's wrestling rings in these underground warehouses that rappers fight in to win girlfriends. And like, at least like in Def Jam fight for New York, cause that's the one that I, like I was, I was trying to separate the two cause they kind of blend together in Def Jam fight for New York. There's a lot more like street fights and fighting in like parking lots and subways and stuff yeah. like that. But in the well, first, that was the one 
they implemented that Mortal Kombat thing where you can switch backgrounds. Like you slam someone through the floor and you fall into the apartment building. Yeah, yeah. They they went more arcadey on the second one. Like this one, because the thing about it is like, I know it sounds stupid and it is like the concept, but like the controls to this game are surprisingly deep. Like again, if you've played the re- the wrestling games on the Nintendo 64, then you know the controls. But like, it's not just go in and and mash buttons like you like in a lot of fighting games, particularly old fighting games, you could mash like trip and jump kick and trip and jump kick and be that cheap piece of shit and win a lot on those. Whereas this game, yeah. it's almost like there's a it's 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 a stupid comparison, but it's there's almost a little bit of chess to it. Do you know what I mean? Like you really yeah, have yeah. to learn all the controls, like all the throw guys off the ropes, how to grapple them, how to throw strong punches and weak punches and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Well, um, and the it's like the the dynamics of it are almost. And this is going to sound weird because I know gamers like I've talked to Rowan about this, and he talks about like how many buttons per second uh, Super Smash Bros. Melee is or whatever, and yeah. like how it takes so much skill because it's so fast. Yeah. But it's like the game mechanics of this are almost slowed down to a point that like you can't just mash a button because it'll take too long for him to like reach it. Like you really have to get a combination that flows and like moves with your character if that makes sense yep absolutely yeah and that's what i like about this game because admittedly fighting games traditionally aren't my jam like i suck at mortal kombat i suck at street fighter i suck at smash brothers yep same Um, here right like it's and i'm not and listen like if you are good at one of those games or you're passionate about those like i'm not shitting on them there's definitely a skill to it that i just don't get like i'm not good at it but when i am going to play a fighting game it's like you mentioned this game really slows it down and there's a very there's a method to the madness in this game there's a lot of strategy involved in it and i really prefer that uh in the store like in that if i'm gonna play a fighting game i want it to be slow and methodical and yeah you know what i mean like a move takes four or five seconds for the animation of the move to play out like once yeah, i grab you a lot more like uh it feels a lot more like a like a one-on-one nba game right than it does like a one-on-one street fighter game yeah exactly like in street fighter or smash brothers like if i throw like a big uppercut it literally takes half a second and then you go up and then i can do something else to you while you're flying through the air right in this game like in a pro wrestling game like if i grab alex and then i suplex him there's three or four seconds of the suplex animation where neither of us can do anything other than you have a chance to reverse it there's nothing else that can happen and while that's yeah. happening, you can think about what move do you want to do next. And if I'm going to play exactly. a fighting game, that's how I want to play it. You know, I feel the exact same way. It's um, like the exact same. I feel like it plays yeah, a lot more like a sports game than a fighting game in that sense. In that like, there is like a setup, like the way you go on attack in like a hockey game where you can set up and strategize a yeah. bit and pass the puck around. Yeah. And that kind of do that yeah and another thing that this game did that's fucking awesome was like so there's three ways that you can fin or to fin three ways that you can win you can either pin the guy which (laughs) which i think is phenomenal that it's this like super violent underground fight club but i could pin you for three seconds and win yeah one Um, two three whoa whoa fellas hey that's the end of it that's enough yeah come on yeah go get your girlfriend (laughs) they're fighting in the parking lot go get them right now pickle pick one (laughs) this show is sponsored by better help Podcasting's a weird job because I talk to you nerds all the time. Every day, I tell you all about my life, the good and the bad. The ugly 
I kind of keep that offline. And it's not that I don't want to talk about it. I'd love to talk about it. I just need to pick and choose who I talk to. We all have stuff that just lives in our minds, rent-free, 24-7. Talking about them can really help because the longer you keep something bottled up, the more likely it is to blow. You've heard me say it before and you're going to keep hearing me say it. Therapy is the way. Therapists can be that ear to bend when you really need to get something off your chest and don't know who to talk to. And BetterHelp is a great way to go about it. I don't BS you guys. I don't say I've used something if I've never used it. I've personally talked to a BetterHelp therapist about the stuff going on in my personal life, and I genuinely found it helpful. To have someone to talk to that doesn't have any skin in the game, that can just listen and try to help me come up with a roadmap to get through the tough times... It's just invaluable. It has seriously really helped me. I've talked to my therapist through video and you can do it that way or you can do it over the phone or even just over chat and they give you as many schedule options as possible so you can work a session in around your life. It's licensed therapy as convenient as it gets. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash remember the game today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash remember the game. So you can pin them. That was, that was three full seconds, everyone. Calm down. Come on. I love it. Or else you can make them submit or you can knock them out. And admittedly, as much as I'm a huge pro wrestling fan and I love the game play from this game because it ties back to the old pro wrestling games, I could have lived without pins. Like if it's going to be a violent yeah. underground street fighting game, make it either knockouts or submissions. Like that's what people yeah. like UFC style, well, right? Didn't they have a rope break in it as well? Wasn't there like a rope yep. break? Like if you made it to the edge of the ring? Yeah. Which again is gentlemanly rules, (laughs) which again is pro wrestling, but it's like, this isn't pro wrestling. Like these guys are literally trying to kill each other and it's like, oh, he's got the rope. Let go. You know what I mean? Like fucking, no, he's off the ankle. I'll disqualify you. But, but at the same time, it's far enough towards the edge. I guess it helps make it more fun. Cause like you could just keep putting guys in holds. They wouldn't be able to get out and it'd be over. So yeah. Um, what I like about the submissions in this game is, and again, this is where they add another layer of depth to it, is that you can work on various parts of the body. Like you could work on their head, their legs, their arms, or their midsection. Yeah. And what if you and if you wore one of them all the way out, then you broke a bone in that section. They tapped out and and it was over, and you won. Um, yeah. And like to me, either that or a knockout. Where if I beat on you enough and your health is low enough that you just get knocked out, those are the two ways to win a fight in this game. Like pity. Excuse me, pinning a guy sucks. Like it's like that's not what I want to do. I want to break your arm or I want to knock you unconscious. Like that's the fun. You know yeah. what I mean? So Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And then this like, game the only time I ever pinned was when I was playing against my brother and it was like we were literally just only trying to beat each other the best way possible. Like, right. We just were trying to win no matter what. Yeah, it's desperation. Like, playing right? the actual game, you're like, Why would I pin? That's boring. Like I want to knock this guy's head off yeah dude i fucking i can to this day remember that like noise when you like break a guy's arm and then he submits and it's over oh that's a satisfying feeling man and then because and then all the guys had because this game has again what the old wrestling games did it had um i can't remember what it was called in this game but basically like it was like your spirit meter it was like your power gauge i think it was in this game yeah 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 and, it is. right and as you were winning your power gauge would fill up and if it maxed out then you could use your special move which was the yeah. same way in the old wrestling games. And like, dude, to this day, I think that is the best mechanic for these types of games. I fucking love oh, that mechanic. Sure. Wait, cause yeah, when and I, that's the same thing, the Tony Hawk, the special meter, it's like, you can work up to it. And then 
you can once you have it you unlock like this one move that's going to give you a bit of advantage yeah like there's a genuine sense of momentum like if you and i are playing this game against each other and i'm really whooping your ass my power gauge meter is filling up and now i'm really starting to feel like and when your power gauge meter is lower you have a harder time reversing stuff and when it's fuller it's easier for you to reverse stuff and i love that mechanic because it's all about momentum right um absolutely oh that's so fucking god damn it why don't we have more of these fucking games they're so fun i don't know who owns this engine now i guarantee you ea is just fucking i fucking hate ea so much that's the problem (laughs) that's the fucking problem so so that's the basic concept that's the fighting and then the plot is yeah you 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 start out fighting for your boy manny and then you end up fighting all these rappers and then in the end you have to fight d mob to try to win back your girlfriend angel even though as you're trying to win back Angel, as Alex has mentioned, you're recruiting other fucking girlfriends. Um, <laughs> I do, like, Alex, I feel like we've explained every stupid aspect of this game and been like, well, I understand why this is here and I get why this is here. I don't yeah. get why, like, to me, the only reason they thought to put the girlfriends in the game was because they knew a bunch of horny teenagers and early 20-year-olds would be playing it and they thought maybe that would get them to play more. Oh, for sure. It was all, it was the same reason they put rappers in it. It was the exact same. It was just marketing. It was a marketing guy who was like, well, scantily clad women, you idiots. There's not enough of those in the game. Yeah, I guess so. Cause yeah, I suppose, yeah. You know what? You might be right, Alex. Cause if they, say they had released this exact same game, but they didn't have the rappers in the Def Jam license or agree. I don't know if it's a license or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, say they had just called it, I don't know, fucking underground vendetta or something. Yeah. And and instead of Method Man and DMX and Ludacris, it was literally all of the Debos and the Razors and the fucking Dan G's. Yeah, <laughs> um, it, was, yeah, it was the cast from the Sega Genesis game. Yeah, just like then it doesn't the probably guy. doesn't sell. I don't think it sells. No, there's no way. Um, so you're right. I guess that's probably yeah. Like they they need to put the rappers in to make it sell. And I guess the girls are just. I still I can't wrap my head around the girls. I can wrap my head around the rappers and why they're there. And they actually add to the game because they're fun, dude. They're yeah. fun to play as. They're fun to like. They're fun to like see them there. Like their their moves are rad. Yeah. Uh, well, and for like me, people who were into rap before, it was easy to get like a favorite character, right? Because that was that's the fun thing about games. Like that's what I really like about sports games and like even the Tony Hawk games, I loved playing as Rodney Mullen because I could see, I could make Rodney do the things that I saw Rodney do in the skate videos. Right. And I was like, yo, did I just do a Casper slide? Like, that's sick. So when you have your favorite rapper and then his song comes on when you get your special, you're just like, yeah, this is sick. I love this. Yeah. You know what? Dude, yeah, you know what? That's, like, that's really ingenious marketing on their part because they basically hook two crowds. And you and I are a phenomenal example of that. I legitimately didn't even know who half of these rappers were because I didn't listen to that music at all. I had no idea who they yeah. were. I liked, like, I listen, I don't even care. People are going to make fun of me. I don't give a fuck. This is from like 2003. Outside of like Eminem and stuff, like, I was listening to Blink 182, I was listening to Limp Biscuit at these times. Like, God, <laughs> fuck, I miss Limp Biscuit. They were awesome. Dude, but like, here's the weird thing. I was young, right? Because yeah, if this was 2003, I yeah. would've been like 12 years old. So I was like, but it's weird because it was, I was getting into rap anyways because I just got like LimeWire and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was like almost like another avenue to like explore that. Yeah, and that's really ingenious because they it's 
like to me when you're gonna make a like because this is a brand new ip this is a brand new video game at the time it's coming out like like obviously there's sequels to it but this is the first one and so when you're releasing a brand new game it's got to have some kind of hook and i mean in particular like in today it's a little different because i feel like today you can release a brand new video game and it doesn't need a known character or known music or anything like that you just need to make great commercials and great ads to put on social media and that's what's going to hook people but in, in well, 2000 video games, it feels like video games have been around long enough that you can even like engines like Blizzard releases a new game as like the new game from Blizzard. And like, right. people know what that means. But if in 2003, you're like the new game from EA big and uh, whoever you said, like the people who made the platform for the wrestling games yeah. were like, no one would have given a shit. No. And that's like, well, I mean, the wrestling engine mattered, the EA and the dev like that didn't. But that's where they hooked two different markets because they hooked me because I was like, as soon as they said, hey, remember, because like WWF No Mercy was the last wrestling game released on the Nintendo 64 with this engine and everybody that played it fucking adores that game. And so then when the yeah. GameCube came out after the Nintendo 64 and they were like, hey, here's a new fighting game with the WWF No Mercy uh, controls, I was like, I'm buying it. I don't even care. Like, I love that. I'll buy it. I don't care. And you, you just said yourself, you're like, well, I never played those wrestling games. I didn't care about that. But you were like, I like these rappers and they're in a video game. Like, fuck yeah, I'll play that. That's really yeah. genius. Like, that's an incredibly smart way to get two different um, like groups of people involved in your video game. And that's what you got to do, right? To make a successful yeah. new franchise. And then the fact that they made sequels where all they did was take Def Jam Vendetta and be like, okay, well now we're going to let you fight underground. We're going to let you fight in subways. And like you said, we're going to let you break through ceilings and fight in groups and stuff like that. Like that's so ingenious. I, I'm floored that we haven't seen another game from this franchise. Fucking floored actually. Like, yeah, honestly, now that we're talking about it, it really is shocking how good of a game this was and how little demand there's been for like a re-release or like a new version because everything gets nowadays re-released or, you know, updated or yeah, man, something added to the franchise or a prequel or something. I mean, re-releasing this game might be tough today because I don't even know. I like, I don't know how many of these rappers are still signed with Def Jam. And it's just like re-releasing like a pro wrestling game from the Nintendo 64. The problem is if they wanted to re-release one of those games, they they need to get the okay from all the rights holders and all the different people in the game and stuff like that. That's what makes, because I don't know if you knew or not, but the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 are getting remastered and re-released in the fall. Yeah, Um, I knew about Tony Hawk 2. Yeah, and like that to me makes kind of sense because there's only about a dozen skateboarders in it. And they're probably all chill guys who are like, I don't really have to do much and I'm going to get a payday for it. That's fucking cool, right? But with like some yeah, of these guys, me. like how do you reach out to DMX, Funk, Maxter, Funk Master, Flex, Ludacris, Method Man, Red Man, and be all like, hey, do you guys mind if we re-release that game you're in? They're all going to want to get paid for it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, and then I don't even know if the fighting for a girl or making the girls fight to be your girlfriend, I don't know if that would even fly in today's era. People might not like that very much. Yeah. Well, that's why you need to do a (laughs) re-release. Yeah. You can't make a new one. Yeah, that's why. No, no, it's just the original content. We're just putting it back out. Yeah, like, and that's where, yeah, like, and like, and the thing about it is like, I don't, like, I would love to, I should have done more homework even though I'd never be smart enough to figure it out anyway. I want to know who has all the rights to this because there is no new WWE game coming out this year. Like WWE is like Madden now where every year there's WWE like 2K18, 2K19, 2K20 and they're not releasing one this year because last year sucked and they're like, we got to go back to the drawing board. We got to clean this up. But like they have this engine sitting there. A new Def Jam game would be rad. 
Like I'm yeah, and, and right. And like with social media today and iTunes and, and, and influencers on Instagram and stuff like that, you'd think the marketing campaign behind a new Def Jam game could be massive. Um, yeah, that'd be really fun. Also just like who is going to be in this one would be hilarious. Cause hip hop has exploded since then. Like just what exists in the hip hop world, just mumble rappers and like Takashi six, nine and like what, stupid weirdos are going to be in this game. Yeah. Like, fuck, I would love to see, because like, I, I, again, I just did a podcast about this. There's a lot of old games that are going to be lost to history because you'll be, they're impossible to re-release and no one's going to make a new one. And unfortunately, I think Def Jam might end up falling into that category because there's just too yeah. many, there's too many, uh, likenesses there's too many people in it you have to get like signed deals with i don't know i'm not going to sit here and pretend to be a game developer and know how it works but i have to assume that everyone in this game that's a real person gets paid x amount per copy of the game or something like that or a royalty fee or something yeah um and they probably just want too much now to do another one yeah so but that's probably the thing at the time it was probably easy to kind of get some of these guys to sign whatever for a video game but now the video games have blown up so much it's like you pretty much have to get NDAs and all that. Yeah, it'd be a nightmare. And dude, that like, dude, when we started talking about this, I was so fucking excited because I really do love these games so much. Like, I have a GameCube here at my house, and like now I'm tempted to go track down a copy of Fight for New York because I want to play it. Um, but we'll probably never if see you another one. Invite me over, please. <laughs> Done. Um, but we'll probably never see another one, and that really sucks. Like, that's too bad because these games are so much fun. Ah, fuck me. So much. Like, I can still picture it in my head. Like, just doing some of the big, weird suplexes and stuff like that. And the way our characters are walking through the crowds in these dirty old warehouses underground and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Ah, so fun. They're just the right amount of cheese to go with it, too. So Yeah, exactly. Do you have a... Just curiously, because I know you're you're more into the music scene here than I am. Like, do you have a favorite rapper in the game? Um, I honestly, like my favorite one of all the games was, uh, the game in fight for New York was like my favorite, but DMX and Vendetta was the guy I always used. I loved the DMX song. Yeah, me too. I like, once I started, once that song would like do to this day that like fucking excellent, give it to you, just fires you right up. Like when you're yeah. playing this game and that music comes on, you're just like, oh fuck yeah! Like, <laughs> like I don't know how to explain it. It just like you get oh, pumped it was just, up. He was the most intimidating character. He was just like bald, and there was always barking dog noise going. Just, arr, arr, like, yeah, shit. Like, <laughs> oh fuck, that's right. Fuck me. Oh yeah, I'm just reading right here. Um, <laughs> and then you like. Don't you team up with DMX and you fight Method Man and Red Man in like a tag team tournament yeah. or something? Like, what yep. the fuck? Like, if you're a rap fan, that's the greatest thing in the world. You and DMX are fighting Method Man and Red Man? What? Yeah, dude, it's oh, so fun. Fuck. It was so sick. What a great game. Fuck me, man. I'm just like, looking right now. Ain't none to fuck with. And you're like, all right, me and DMX got this though. Let's fuck with them. Oh, fuck me. Combined sales of the Def Jam series reached 1.8 million units in the United States. Like that's respectable. Like there's like, there's money yeah, to be made in that. Yeah, man. And I'm looking at the like review scores. And, <laughs> so all the review scores are like eight out of 10 or higher between eight and nine out of 10, except for Eurogamer, which is some Euro, Euro European video game magazine or something that gave it a three out of 10, but they clearly didn't like, just this, get what they were trying to do because there's this music is so bad during the game. <laughs> we, have li- no boom, boom. <laughs> we have listeners boom, over boom, there. Boom, so boom, don't, boom, boom, boom. 
don't ostracize them. We need them. Um, but Lois, you Euro, you Euro freaks, you and your spinners on your Volkswagens and your your oh, stupid no. Seats. All right, go pee I'm again. You and your house music. Go pee again. Three out of ten. <laughs> I don't. Kidding. I don't understand how it gets three out of ten. Even if you don't like the music, the gameplay is wicked fun. As someone that enjoyed the gameplay more than the music. The music was like an added yeah. bonus, but I love the gameplay. And then even for yourself, as someone that loves this music, you're like, it's also fun to play. Like, I don't get yeah, how you can't like at least one of those two aspects. Well, yeah, that was the best part. It was like, for me, it was great because it was like, come for the characters, stay for the experience. And yeah. for you, it was just like, oh, I hope this game is good. And then it was, and you're like, added bonus. It's got some cool music. Yeah, like, man. Whatnot. And people like, dude, I know you're not into the, like, the current gaming scene, but like people have wanted an alternative to the WWE 2K games forever because there's not really another big wrestling company out there like AEW. There's another one that just started, but they haven't released a video game yet or anything. And everyone yeah. is just jonesing for like an alternative, you know? And it's like, to me, if ever there was a time for Jeff, Def Jam to come back, it's fucking right now because people like myself yeah. want to play a pro wrestling game, but we don't want to play the shitty WWE games that are out there. It's just like with the NFL. I know that they have yeah, a license. The NCAA games, we want, well, the NCAA is coming back. They're, they're bringing it, I think. That's right. like the rumor. Or like, well, or like NFL 2K has signed on where they can make a game, but it can't be a simulation-based game. It has to be like an arcade-style game because, oh. because EA, with the Madden license, has a complete stranglehold on the simulation the style NFL, football games, right? NFL, yeah, yeah. And there's a ton of people out there that want an alternative to Madden. Dude, there was a point where the NFL 2K games were more popular than the Madden games. Yeah, man. Right? Dude, I started I started playing football games at like the same time that I started getting interested in football. And me and my brother played NFL QB camp and we played the NCAA franchises. Uh, we played like the NFL hits or NFL blitz the yeah. league or whatever. We played the hell out of that. Right. There's a place for competition and there is no competition in the wrestling market right now. And so if ever there was a fucking time for the iron to strike with a new Def Jam game, it would be right now because people want an alternative. I would, I would buy a new Def Jam game in a heartbeat. I would lose my fucking mind if they dropped a new Def Jam game right now or yeah, a man, remake of this pretty one excited oh my I'd god be, i would be sending memes and whatnot to my brother being like yo we are getting this immediately oh fuck it's so good um dude that was good i feel better i feel like i need to smoke that was fucking i don't smoke but i, I feel like i kind of <laughs> do like that was a good fucking that was a great podcast you got any other thoughts before we score this thing and wrap it up uh oh the only other thing that i wanted to mention i was watching the videos and it like it just reminded me of this problem that I have with video games. Cause like I said, I started playing call of duty ghosts for the first time, like the other day with my roommate and we've been playing like advanced warfare and all this stuff. Yeah. And something that I've hated forever in video games. And this one does it really bad. is just like scores and combos and all that stuff, like popping up in the screen and like distracting you from what you're actually trying to do in the game. Yeah. I, yeah, I get that. I feel the same way with a lot of that stuff. I feel like that's a side a side effect of leaning into the more arcadey uh, yeah. genre. The problem I have with video games in general, like playing Call of Duty, like every time you walk over a gun, it's like hold square to reload or like to swap gun, and you're like, yo, I'm trying to snipe right now, and this big square button is right in this dude's where his head is. Yeah, yeah. Like get this out of here. Yeah, there's something to be. I mean. It's very difficult, like, I mean, I play a lot of video games, and it is fucking, it is incredibly difficult to make a game where you don't have the pop-ins, because 
it's so hard to let the, 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 the they're they're expecting the gamer like to not know everything that's going on. But there are games out there that can do it that don't have any kind of HUD display on the screen and that really just make it look really clean and smooth and very minimally have the pop ups and stuff like that. And when a game yeah, does it like properly, the Mario franchises are amazing for that. Yeah, yeah, they are. I mean, I'm a Mario Homer through and through. Everybody knows that. But uh, but yeah, like there's totally something to be said for a game that can make a like that can do it properly and not have the overlays and the hubs and stuff like that. Because I agree with you, there are points there's that can be very distracting. Or the other thing, as someone that's been playing games almost every day for the last thirty plus years of his life, uh, being able to turn off tutorial modes if you don't want to to want to oh, do them God. because like every video game ever treats you like you've never played a video game it's like press a to open the door like the first time you walk up to a door and it's like guess yeah. what everybody knows that everybody yeah. knows how this works everybody knows <laughs> that the fucking right trigger shoots your gun like everybody yeah, fucking bro. knows that so since halo one i have not needed a tutorial in an fps yeah. Since the first Halo, when Master Chief comes out of the chamber and it somehow instinctively knew to find out whether you wanted inverted aim or not. Yeah, yeah. It would. That was the best when it was like, look up, and then you'd go down and it would look up. Like, no matter what way you pushed, it would go up and it would put you on or off invert. Yeah, Halo was fucking... Well, and Halo was one of the... Sorry, guys, we're going to wrap this. I promise we're not going to go do another Halo podcast. But, like, Halo was one of those... Like one of the, it was one of the first games that had the the engine everybody knows now, where the left stick you push it up to go forward and you push it down to go backwards, and the left and right make you strafe left and right, yeah. and the right joystick controls the camera and looks around. That was new back then. Like I remember yeah, the first absolutely. couple of times I played Halo, and I was like, "What the fuck kind of controls are this?" And now it's like I could do it in my sleep. It's Standard. so second nature, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, exactly. I agree with you. Stop putting yeah, that shit in every I video needed game. One. I agree yeah, with stop that. or put it as an option because I get it. Maybe someone's never played a FPS before and they want to get started Agreed. here and this is just yeah. the only game they have. Let them have a tutorial mode, but don't make me go through it, man. I'm not eight anymore. No, I've always felt like that. I've been quite adamant on this show about many games that like every video game, especially in today's world where we don't get instruction booklets with our games anymore, every game uh, should have I, a tutorial mode. Like every yeah, game, I it, just listened to your Knights of the Old Republic episode, and you talked about this, and like Final Fantasy was way too long, and Kotor was not long enough. Oh fuck! I was so lost when I started Kotor. Fuck me! But by the end, that game was That's rad. Cool. And then you texted me, and we're like, "Dude, I love that game," and I was like, "What? I would have never expected yeah. that in a million years." So good. But that game is fucking yeah. good. Um, yeah. this is good. Okay, we got to score this thing. So I'm looking for a thing. It says there's 46 playable characters, so we'll score it out of 46. That's a good way to do it. So on a uh, yeah yeah every game's got to be scaled or scored on some weird scale. So on a scale of one yeah. to forty six, how many playable characters would you give Def Jam Vendetta? You know, what? I'd probably give it like a thirty five. Yeah, yeah, mm. I go with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thirty five, maybe a forty, a forty on a good day. Like if you're in a good mood. Yeah, if I'm in a good mood and, you know, I'm winning a lot and, and you know, I'm playing as the tag team with DMX versus Madden, that's a, that's a 40 out of 46 character. That's fair. Playing, playing moment. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I was, I was going to, you know, I was going to go 40, but I would say it's in around that 37 or 38 and then Def Jam Fight for New York, the sequel, I would get into like the 41, 42s because like I just thought it was, it just did everything better. Um, yeah, I just had that leg up. But yeah, dude, like 
I'm I'm not gonna lie to you, Alex. Like when you suggested it, I was excited. And to all of you guys listening that have been reaching out asking us to cover a Def Jam game on here, like I'm I'm shocked that so I didn't realize so many people played and loved these games. But I'm so happy that so many people played and loved these games because they are yeah, so dude, good. That's what I'm learning from this podcast specifically. Like a lot of people liked a lot of the games that I thought I was a weirdo and was the only one that liked, like Kotor and No and man DJV. The the difference is that back in the day, if you played video games, you were a loser. And now it's like, yeah, it's guess. cool to play video games now. Like it's a normal thing that everybody does now. So yeah. I love it, man. Um, fuck yeah. Alex, thanks for doing this, buddy. We're going to get you back on the show. That was a lot of fun. And uh, quickly tell everybody where they can find your comedy album. I told them what you were peeing, but do it again. Uh, um, find my comedy album at, uh, find everything at comedyaf.com. Just go to that. Um, Yeah. All right. Do that. Comedyaf.com. He's got to remember the game industry seal of approval, you guys. I promise the album doesn't suck. Go check it out. It's it's good. I promise. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, dude, thanks yeah. for doing this, buddy. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for having me on. Anytime, man. Alex, thank you so much for giving me a call and talking video games with me. You guys, check out his album, Talking Reckless. It's available on all social media, podcast, music, whatever platforms. Chances are where you found this, you could find his album. Uh, and if you're enjoying what we do, please consider supporting us on Patreon. It's only two bucks. It really helps me and the show out. You get extra podcasts, a shout out. You can read letters. I communicate with everyone on DM, a whole bunch of stuff. It's worth your $2, I promise. Find us on social media. We follow back. That can really help us too. We're on Twitter and Instagram at MemberTheGame. Tell a friend about the show if you can. Clean your controllers. Do all that good stuff. Thank you so much for listening. I'll probably be back in a few days with the Video and Arcade Top 10 episode. I'll be back on Sunday with Expansion Pass. And I'll be back next week with episode 107 of Remember the Game, which may or may not, but probably may be, about Final Fantasy for the NES because that's the game I owe you guys from the Patreon poll. Thanks for listening. I'm going to thank our Patreons and get out of here. Take it easy. Bye. Remember the Game is brought to you by our Patreons, and I'd like to take a moment to thank everybody who's made this show possible. So a massive thank you to everyone that supported us over on Patreon, including Aaron Cuphall, Adam Anderson, Alex, Alex Martinez, Andre, Andrew Castro, Andrew Halepchuk, Andrew Wright, Andy Baker, April Zane, Batter Barhumi, Ben Boyu, Ben Boucha, Ben Drinkin, Brandon O'Brien, Brian McKay, Bullfrog, Charlie M, Chris Campbell, Chris Fleury, Chris Wilson, Corey, Craig Kilcup, Crash Bandicoot, Curtis White, Dan T, Dave L, Dave McG, Dave Thompson, Desert Tortoise, Duow, Doug Dorn, Dustin L, Dylan, Eric Tannard, Evan Refuse, Fraser Burns, Gary C, Jin and Chris, James Clark, Jason Adams, Jason Cortez, Jeffrey Mathis, Joe Buck, Joe Gillespie, Joe Mack, Jordan, Josh Morgan, Josh from the Press Start to Join podcast, Kate Roberts, Casey Rarick, Keegan Wilson, Kevin Donlin, Kevin Offord, Cryptobox, Kyle Paul, Lane Orr, Lord Egbert, Luca, Mackenzie Wheeler, Mark McHugh, Mark 209, Matt Brown, Michael Mathis, Movie Epidemic Podcast, Nathan W., Nick Sills, No Juan Cares, OMF, 
Rex, Robert Fuchsia, Robert L, Rome21, Scott V, Sean Razine, Sharonic, Slick Rick, Stupid Monkey, The Bevins Girls, The Matthews Kids, Todd O, Tony, Tyler, Vladstein, and Chuck Schlark. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. I really, really appreciate it. Cheers. <laughs>